This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joining with us in uh, Stevens Point and the Fox Valley, as well as those who are still at home. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. We're excited. Big game today. Got my Packer coat on. Hopefully, I'm wearing this in a couple of weeks again. Even the missus. Come here, missus. Even the missus is green. Green and gold, green and gold. So anyway, <laughs> we shall see what happens. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I, I preach this all the time. There are people, their entire life of joy depends on what happens one way or another around them. If they win today, people will be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If they lose, they will be depressed for a month and a half. I don't like losing, but I'm not going to be depressed because my life consists of more than just the green and gold, I must confess. So it'll all be fine. We'll have a good time and see what happens. All right. Um, very quickly, remind you of our offering now. Uh, if you have an offering you'd like to give, you can give it on the way out uh, this morning at our various campuses. We have buckets and stuff that you can do because we're not passing things because of the current situation. Or you can give digitally online. Uh, a lot of you watching online right now, or you can do it by your phone, via your phone, via texting. What you do is you get your phone out, and you're going to send a text to this number, 77977. That's the number you're sending the text to. <laughs> we go over this, people still can't get it. I don't know why. 7797, that's where you send the text. And in the message part, you put uh, CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, space, and then the dollar amount you'd like to give, 100000 300000 anything in there. Well, we have five bucks. We'll take anything. But uh, uh, so that's how you do it. And then you hit send, and boom, it'll take care of it for you. Uh, once you do it the first time, then it's all super automatic after that. So if you would be generous to, uh, or continue to be generous and, 
and, and give in that way, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, uh, we actually, usually in January, we are doing our annual family meetings where we all get together and we do a report of the financial health of the church and open up for questions and stuff, obviously because of all the current insanity going on. Uh, we're not doing that and uh, trying to figure out how to do it. I think what we're going to do is we're putting together now, in the next few weeks, we're just going to have a big Zoom meeting so uh, where we will give the reports uh, and we'll do one for the Appleton campus or the Fox Valley campus uh, and then the Stevens Point campus and the Green Bay campus separate. And you can ask any questions you want at that time. I, I can tell you, I can give you a sneak preview. The ch- this is the best the church has been financially in over 20 years. So it's been fabulous. We made a lot of corrections a couple of years ago. We were doing good, and then this pandemic hit, and I thought, oh, no, we're going to crash and burn, and we did not. Thankful uh, to your faithfulness through this incredible time, it has stayed strong. And we expect it to grow stronger and got to do great, great things in that. Um, The building is filling up, um, so we're talking about going back to two services not in a rush to do it, but we're going to have to at some point uh, because uh, it is what it is. The problem is, that means we need volunteers again to do the two services. So at your campus, and even if we say just with the first service at the other campuses, probably uh, because they don't need to go to two services, they also need volunteers to kind of refresh things. So we're encouraging people on the way out of your campus today, here as well, particularly here, we need some people, you know, ushers and helping out with the kids and stuff like that. So if you could stop by there and sign up, and we get enough people signed up that we can cover that, then we can actually schedule a time to do all of that. All right. Uh, and uh, before I uh, bring my message this morning, I, I have a bit of an announcement I would like to share with you. Um, over the last 15 years, it's been quite a ride uh, for me. Uh, and, God, and those, especially you guys in Point, you can add five years to that because I started there for five years before I came here. Uh, they really saw it. It was rather dramatic. Uh, as, as I started pastoring as a lead pastor for the first time then. And at the same time, God opened up these incredible doors for me to uh, speak uh, on marriages and relationships. And they saw it really close up front. Literally went from a complete... Nobody had ever heard of me. It was my first time pastoring in any significant role later in life, 40, whatever, eight years old, whatever I was finally by then. I'm a late bloomer. Uh, and, uh, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden going from zero to uh, an international reach as a relationship speaker, it's been rather dramatic. And it's all been part of all this church doing it together. And we've all had a share in touching the lives of millions of people all over the world, and it has been so incredible. We still get to do it. I did a thing last night for the U.S. military, uh, still do lots of things for them, and it's amazing the amount of relationships that we've been able to help, marriages that we've saved. Uh, It's amazing how many children have been born. (laughs) We call them laugh-your-way babies. And, uh, And when you stop and think, there are human beings that are alive today that would have not been alive had we not been doing what we've all been doing in, in, in this thing. And it's really kind of overwhelming when you think about it. Anyway, I always thought in the back of my head that I would keep doing this and doing this, pastoring and doing this, and then eventually at some point I would probably pull back from pastoring and just go more full-time, zipping around the world, 
doing that thing. And I always thought that that would, that would happen. Uh, as this fall was kicking in, I could really feel things starting to change in my heart and perspectives and talking to my wife about it and uh, some others and stuff. And uh, so, but, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, after a lot of prayer and reflection and speaking to people in my life, spiritual leaders, spiritual leaders of the church, meeting with our board here at the church, uh, I have finally decided to do the exact opposite of everything I just talked about. And uh, I've, I've, I've contacted my office and said, I'll cut my traveling in half, cut my events in half for the next year so I can spend more time being here and connecting with you and preaching and teaching and being a pastor and just hopefully be a better servant to all of you. I, have, I was forced to slow down because of last year, but have absolutely fallen in love with it. And I love doing this. Uh, it's not... It's not as sexy as the traveling, but it's okay. And, and, and I love it. And uh, I shared it with a couple of people say, oh, so, so you're tired of traveling. I didn't say that. I want to serve God. I want to be a better pastor. I think that's what God wants me to do. Oh, so you're tired of pastoring. I didn't say that. Or, or traveling. I'm not tired. We are not tired of traveling. You have to understand, when we travel, it's not tiring. If you traveled with us, you would understand. When I book a flight, I don't go to orbits.com, find the cheapest possible flights, sit in the back of the plane next to the toilet, <laughs> stuffed in with people three times my size, all right? We tend to fly first class. I'm a, I'm a, a million miler. They push us to the front of the plane. Praise the Lord. It's very nice. We stay in very nice hotels. We don't stay in Ramadas that haven't been remodeled in 20 years. We say, really? Some of them are just drop-dead gorgeous resorts. Some of you see, we post these pictures. Well, the reason we post these pictures is not to brag. We just still can't believe people actually pay us to do this. <laughs> and, and they do. And we just have fun doing it. The flying and the... Fe- and and we, we're not, we don't eat at Perkins on the road. We, it's a nice place. And I go there on occasion in town. But we tend, they take us to the nicest Yo Mama restaurants in the world. We are not tired of being spoiled out of our ever-loving minds, all right? This is not about that. This is about having a change in heart. I feel like God is doing something in me, and I love doing this, and I want to be a better blessing to you. I think this church can still do great things, and we've just scratched the surface. So that's... The bad news is you'll be seeing a lot more of me uh, and less being gone. And I'm really trying to get them to avoid any Sundays on the road. Although sometimes you just can't avoid it or I don't want to avoid it. Yeah. I just got a call from, my email from, uh, where is that? Monaco. You know where the country of Monaco is? South of France. I mean, they're... they're, they're their shoreline is not like the shoreline in Green Bay. <laughs> and they're mega yachts. We're talking hundreds of million dollars parked on top of each other, one after another. It's the south of France. It's unbelievable. They said, if we flew you here, would you come and speak to us? Let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> so, so we're still working that out. 
I might be gone that weekend, all right? I'm not sure. But so, so there's, you know, I'm not a complete moron, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to try and say no to most of that stuff and stay home. Praise the Lord. All right, getting into these scriptures this morning. Today is what is referred to as the third Sunday during the season of Epiphany. I love this idea of Epiphany. It means revelation. It's like, ah, oh, now I get it. Oh, I could have had a V8. Those kind of moments when suddenly stuff you've heard just rings true. And the one who does this is God. The Holy Spirit does this. He breathes into people's hearts and lives and minds things. I see it all the time when I'm speaking and, and people come up to me and say, man, we're were you, did you have a microphone in our house this week? This is what we were dealing with this week. No, I don't do that. I, I don't want to see what's in your house. But anyway, uh, but what that, the Holy Spirit is just, boom, they're hitting you with something. That is like, wow, how did you know that? That's what I needed to hear, that sort of thing. And, and uh, so we're continuing in that uh, today. Now, I want to read to you from the book of Jonah. We all know Jonah in the whale story. Well, you're about to, if you don't, because I'm going to tell you. But I'll read first in Jonah, the third chapter. It's a very short book, four little chapters. And uh, verse one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Now, I love this verse because this is a get off your butt verse, particularly when you consider the context now I will rewind and give you the rest of the story. What happens, we won't read it, I'll just tell you. Most of us are fairly familiar with it. God comes to Jonah and tells him this wicked nation, Nineveh, these are based heathens, all right? Um, I want you to go and preach to them to repent or I'm going to destroy them. Well, Jonah doesn't do it. Now, the version we've, many of us have heard, you know, the Sunday school version or the little kids version is Jonah was afraid to preach and he was running from God. No, Jonah was not afraid to preach. That's not what this was about. Let me give you the backstory to it. The reason he didn't want to go is because he was a prophet. He knew that it had been prophesied that Nineveh, God was going to use them to punish Israel. He was going to send in the armies from Nineveh and hammer Israel because of their sins. So when Jonah hears hey, I've had it with Nineveh, I'm going to destroy them. This is good news. This, it's like if we all learned this morning that the entire offensive line of, of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers tested positive for COVID. That would be good news. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, not that we hate anybody or if Tom Brady was kidnapped by, you know, a bunch of groupies, you know, crazy women who locked him up because he's so cute. You know, that kind of, that, it, oh, I hope we find him after the game. You know, that kind of thing. So, so you know, something bad happens to people that, that can give you a hard time. That's kind of a good thing. When he finds out that Nineveh's going to get crushed, yes, yes. And God says, go tell him to repent. And he's going, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I'm going to tell him to repent. Why? They might repent. I ain't doing it. Now, you don't see that in the beginning until you get to the end. And uh, if you read the Old Testament, I don't know if it was just the writing style, but it's really kind of odd. You don't understand what's going on in the beginning until you get to the end. Why they do this, I have no idea. There's movies like this. I hate these things. You got to, you know, until you get to the end. Ah, ah, now I get it. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm a little slow. I don't like that. So, uh, but almost all the Old Testament accounts are this way. You find out why. We're going to read it in a bit. All this is going on. It's not saying this in the beginning. All we know is that God tells him to go to Nineveh, and he's, I ain't going. 
and he takes off. He's basically running from God, which, <laughs> where are you going to run? <laughs> God is everywhere, right? So he, he hops on this boat to get out of Dodge. So he's on this boat, and um, they start encountering a storm like these sailors had never, ever experienced. Now, these are not weekend boaters like John Mako and myself. <laughs> Actually, you got worse stories than I do. Man, I'm telling you. Uh, but uh, you get out there and your little boat says, ah, free. These are guys who have been on the water all of their lives. They have seen it all. And they are now in a storm to a level that they have never seen. And they are freaking out. They're throwing everything overboard to keep the thing light as could be because they didn't want to get swamped and sink. And they don't understand what is going on. And finally, Jonah comes, it's me. What do you mean it's you? I'm running from God, and God's ticked off at me, and if I were you, I'd throw me into the ocean. Uh, I mean, that's, this is, he'd just rather die than go to Nineveh, right? So they no, nah, we're not going to throw you into the fire. And finally, it gets so bad. I said, okay, we were out of options. You think it's you? He said, I'm telling you, it's me. And they take him and they throw him overboard and whew, everything got calm, which would be really freaky, right? <laughs> Man, that guy was a bad sinner. <laughs> you know, what, what, what happened here? All of a sudden, everything's okay. Well, Jonah says, well, this is it. And then the Bible says a giant fish, or presumably a whale, uh, our uh, walleye, don't get that big. Uh, but uh, a giant whale probably comes and swallows him and he's now found in the belly of this fish. Now, you can imagine what a horrific experience this is. And he's in there for three days. And the whale is uh, um, on its way to guess where? Nineveh. So, you say, well, how is that possible? Well, you know, with God, all things are possible. My guess, if you're swallowed by a whale, you're pretty much done. Okay? Somehow, he stays alive. And this whale is directed to Nineveh, and then he bleh, throws him up with all the lovely smells and accoutrements of vomit. And he gets spit out, and his GPS tells him, this is Nineveh. And he, the very place he's running for, now this thing belches him up onto the uh, sand. Now, he has had the most I can't imagine being in a situation like that for 15 minutes, much less five hours, much less three days. This is a horrifying. You can imagine what he felt like when he got belched out and now he's on the land. This is the context. And after he gets belches out, this is where God says to him, we just read it, hey, get up. And get going. Wow. Right? Now stop and think about this. Because a lot of us, we figure we'll respond to God in the context of our circumstances. In other words, I've had a really hard time. I've had a rough day. I can't do it. I can't go to church because of this. I can't follow God. Oh, I've just been through a horrible divorce. Uh, you know, they had to repossess my car. I mean, and, 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 you know, my... my my grandma died, I'm devastated, whatever it is. And we all have versions of this. 
And a lot of people, you know, listen, some of us have really sad stories. I understand that. If you took the time to hear some of the stories in our congregation, you'd be a little shocked. People that have some really, but no matter what the circumstances, at some point, God says, get up and get going. Don't let your past dictate your future. Don't think, I don't have to respond in faith because I've had a really hard time. And if anybody had a reason to have a hard time and people would get together and, you know, spray him down with a hose and hug him and encourage him and do a small group Bible study and hold hands and help him work through his issues where he goes to celebrate recovery because he's got to recover from being in a fish's belly for three. I mean, there's all kinds of things we would have done, right? Well, he comes through this horrible thing and not one time does God go, oh. I understand. Your cat died. You don't have to go to church for another six months now. It's a difficult time. Look, you say, man, are you not compassionate? Of course. Is God compassionate? Of course. But at some point, he's going to say, get up. Get up. Get going. Let's move it. Chop, chop. Move it along here. And he tells them, now go. He doesn't give them any sympathy whatsoever. He says, get up and go. So, Nineveh, so Jonah gets up. We pick it up now in verse 3. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Um, it tells us later, again, all the details come later, it's about 120,000 people, whatever it is, uh, virtually the size of Green Bay or a little bit bigger. And it wouldn't take us three days to walk across the city of Green Bay. So this place is really spread out. You know, people weren't living on top of each other in apartments and stuff like that, you know. So it's, it's really big, a hundred and some thousand people. So he's got three days just to walk across it. So he's got to go and preach to these people. And Jonah is not a compassionate preacher. He doesn't say, you know what? If you would just stop, God will turn, turn your life around. There's so many great blessings. If you, that's not what you're doing. First of all, he doesn't even want them to repent. He doesn't even want to know what's going to happen. So his version of preaching is he goes like this. He cries out, 40 more days and you're all going to die. 40 more days, everybody's dying. So this guy's going around. Now, I don't know how that would impact anybody other than I think this guy's nuts. But there is something about it when Jonah starts talking that God strikes the heart of these people. And they realize, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, judgment's coming because we are bad people. And they were really bad people. And we have no idea. When you study the practices of what these heathen cultures did, it, it, it grosses you out. It's unbelievable. I don't even want to mention the something. But they were bad. And it starts to hit them. Well then, uh, uh, when the news, in verse 6, when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne he removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Why do they do that? It's Eastern culture. That's what they do. Even to this day, if you watch anything in the Middle East and something bad happens, you see people ripping their clothes and throwing dirt in the air and on their heads and stuff. They're rather dramatic. We don't do that in Western culture, but they, to this day, thousands of years later, it's still part of their culture. And that's why, so right away, he's in the dust and the dirt, and he's wearing sackcloth and ashes, and, uh, and, uh, and then he makes a proclamation. This is the king does this, because he heard Jonah say, 
40 more days and you're toast. And then he made this proclamation. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being, nor animal, nor herd, nor flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered in sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. And all shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their heads. Uh, Now, I don't know how much this guy even knew about the true God. Who knows? All we know is that he took it really seriously. He makes a proclamation. Everybody's got to fast. And there's various varying versions of fasting. We're about to hit Lent coming up next month. And during the season of Lent, people traditionally give up something fast, you know, Snicker bars or whatever, or something that is, you know, coffee or whatever they're used to drinking or eating or they'll skip. I'm not going to eat lunch, you know, for the next four days or whatever. I'll skip, you know, whatever. They have a version of fasting. But then there's the all out yo mama fast where you got nothing. And you don't need anything, you don't, not even water. Uh, and those are pretty short fasts when you do those, <laughs> you know, maybe a day. Uh, so anyway, that's what, that's what these guys do. And they get into this thing. And he says, verse 9, who knows, God may relent and change his mind. Jonah never tells him that God would do that. He's hoping against hope that's what will happen. Maybe God will change his mind. And... Uh, uh, where am I? Da, da, da. He may turn from his first anger so that we do not perish. And then verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he didn't do it. Well, continuing the story, chapter 4, verse 1, these chapters and verses were never in there in the beginning. This is just a continuation. They put them in so we could find where to read. But anyway, continuing, it says, but this was very displeasing to Jonah. Jonah became angry. Are you catching this? He preaches to Nineveh. He's got a bad attitude doing it. <laughs> it's not a very loving and compassionate message. And there's no redemption or how to get fixed in this. And these people all repent. And he gets mad. And he prays to the Lord. This is where you find out the rest of the story. Because we don't read this in the beginning. Oh, Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still in my own country? In the beginning. That's why I fled to Tarshish. Tarshish got on the boat, that whole thing, at the beginning. Because why? Because I knew that you are a gracious God. (laughs) And you're merciful. And you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you're ready to relent from punishing. I knew you'd let him off. That's why I didn't want to do it. And now, Lord... Let me die. Take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. This guy's got some issues. <laughs> and the Lord said, what are you mad about? What's your problem? And Jonah went out of the city, and he sat down east of the city. He makes a booth for himself there, and he sits under it in the shade. Why? Because he's waiting to see what happens to the city. He's still hoping it'll go up in flames. <laughs> I mean, Seriously. Now, I know this sounds really, really bizarre, but again, you have to remember the context. He knows that Nineveh is going to come and punish his people. He doesn't know when. Here's a chance for them to be destroyed. He preaches to them. He doesn't want them to hear it because he knows God will let him off the hook, and sure enough, God lets him off the hook. And if you keep reading it, he's talking to God, and he's just absolutely furious about this. You know, sometimes people get angry when God is so forgiving. It's hard to comprehend. Uh, you remember the story of the prodigal son? The guy, this guy has two sons. And, and one 
the younger one says, hey, dad, give me my share of the inheritance now. And dad's like, okay, so he gives it to him. And then he takes off and he blows it in riotous living. God only knows what he was doing. Going through this money. And you know, when you have money and you're spending it like crazy, everybody loves you. But at some point, the money comes to an end and nobody loves him. And he can barely survive. He has to get a job feeding pigs. And he's so hungry, the Bible says, that he, he would see what the pigs were eating and, and, and he would long for it. He was, and he says, what am I doing? I'll go back to my dad. He, you know, economy's good there. He does really well. I'll just beg him to forgive me. And just if he could just give me a job. So he comes back. As soon as, now you would think the dad would be furious, right? You would think the dad is, would knock his head off and make him pay. But as soon as the dad sees him off in the distance, he runs to him. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. And they have this big celebration. It's a great story of forgiveness, right? Sometimes you think, well, God's so mad at me, or I'm such a bad person. I've done such terrible things. God can't possibly forgive me. Oh, yeah. You know why? He, he's, a, he's a pushover. <laughs> That's why I made Jonah so mad. God wants to forgive people. Even your lousy neighbor you cannot stand. God wants to forgive them, and he will. He, so all you got to do is start making an effort coming to him. And anyway, so this big celebration, and you know who's mad? The older brother. He's furious. Why? You let him off the hook. And there's something about people who aren't quite as bad as other people. They get mad when God is gracious to people they think are worse than them. You know, sometimes you hear stories, you know, uh, horrible things that people do in the news, and you just think, oh, these people, they're all going to go to hell someday. And then you hear of these conversions, you know, at the last minute before they die, and people get mad about it. You know, God... God won't forgive him. He, was a, he, he killed 10 people. How can God, he says now he's a Christian. God, he's got to go to hell, isn't he? Well, no, if he's sincere, God forgave him. And he'll be sitting right next to you in heaven. <laughs> and they can't, that can't happen. You know, what, what about child molesters? God, and if there's one thing people hate, it's that, right? It's the worst. People tell me, I can, I can, I'd kill a child molester. Even a child molester. You have to understand, God is willing to forgive everybody and anybody. And he does it quickly and easily. A woman caught in the very act of adultery. You remember the story in the gospel? Caught in the act. They drag her out to stone her. Where's the guy? One cannot be in the act alone. He gets off. Got to protect the boy, he said, they're taking the woman, and they're about to stone her to death. And they said, Jesus, Old Testament said we should stone her to death because she was caught in the act of adultery. What would you do? That's when Jesus said, well, who was ever without sin cast the first stone? And as you know the story, everybody turned away and walked away because who could meet that standard? Jesus looks at the woman and says, where, where are your accusers? And she says, they're not here. Now, this woman is terrified. She is humiliated. You cannot imagine a more embarrassing situation in one's life than at that moment. And she says, they're not here. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He forgives her on the spot. She didn't even ask. You know, sometimes we think, yeah, I'll forgive him, but he's got to apologize first. He's got to grovel first. That guy did something, and he never said he was sorry. 
my mother-in-law. She never apologized. Actually, I don't have a problem with my mother-in-law. She's gorgeous. If you're watching. Uh, and she usually does. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I'm not going to give somebody forgiveness because what they did to that person or, or to that child, or they didn't ask for forgiveness. We want people to grovel. I, I was posting on this several weeks ago about pastors who sin and how Christians want their head on a platter. They want them to pay. And I say, what, what's wrong with us? Stop it. God is so willing to forgive. If you're not careful, it'll make you mad. But you know what? Whenever someone who we think doesn't deserve forgiveness gets it, we should celebrate. And do you know why? Because we've been forgiven. We pray this all the time. We just did pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses, which means sins, as we forgive others who sin. It's all tied together. When I see someone who's really, really bad being forgiven and walking in a new life in Christ, I rejoice in that. There's hope for me. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Don't get angry when God lets people off. Here's today's epiphany. Here's what I want you to get. And I can't get it to you. God has to get it to you. In your head, there is a God in heaven who desperately wants to forgive people. So badly, he allows himself to come into this world, be brutalized crucified on a cross. Why? So that he could forgive everybody and anybody to the degree that it makes some of the older brothers amongst us angry. Don't do that. Don't be like the older brother. Don't get mad when somebody didn't pay for what they did. That's the wrong spirit. One person paid for everybody. His name is Jesus. He died on that cross for all of my sins, all of your sins, and even the worst people amongst us, which you may be sitting next to right now and you don't know their names. But anyway, God forgives everybody and he wants to do it. This is what we celebrate. The whole gospel message is you can have forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ. This is why it's called the gospel. Good news. That's pretty good news. It was good news to Nineveh. (laughs) It's good news to anybody who will stop and put their faith in. Here's the amazing thing to me, is there are millions of people who hear this message and still decide not to do it. They know if they come to Christ, everything wrong they've ever done could be washed away, and they choose instead to walk away. That's stunning to me. The best news that I've ever heard in my life is that Jesus Christ died for everything wrong I ever did, and he can make it right, and that's what we celebrate. John 3:16, very familiar verse of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, why? So that everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We're gonna turn to our time of communion. This is when we pause to reflect on what all of this is about, which I just talked about. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. That's what we celebrate when we take communion together. But the Bible says before we do this, we should all just pause and reflect and reset. Where are you at? How was your week? How you been doing? Did you say things you shouldn't have said, do things you shouldn't have done? This is where we come when we just ask God to forgive. Well, God won't forgive me because I know better. No, he'll forgive you. Well, I keep doing it over and over again. He won't. Yeah, yeah, he will. Why? That's his thing. If we will simply turn to him with an open heart, 
he will forgive and cleanse and make things right. So I want us all to bow our heads, everybody in Stevens Point, everybody in this Fox Valley and here, and all of you guys still at home. Just bow your heads with me, and I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us before we celebrate communion together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we shouldn't have done, but we did, something that we should have done and we didn't, maybe an attitude in our heart, bitterness, anger, whatever it is, Lord, for the sake of your son, Jesus, we confess our sins to you and we ask you to forgive us and have mercy. We are so grateful, Lord, that you are quick to forgive and you made it all possible through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And as our heads are still bowed, maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you've never even taken that initial step of faith. Uh, you can ask Jesus in your life right now, just in your own words, as we're all in an attitude of prayer, heads are bowed and nobody's looking around. And Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. You say he'll do that? Yeah, he will. But, but I, I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. There's nothing you can do. You can't earn it. It's a free gift by God's grace. There's a God in heaven who's loved you so much. He went to the cross to take your punishment, my punishment, all the sins of the world laid on him so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Amen.